Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and we have a very special edition of our 10 questions episode today. I am joined by PFF data scientist and host of the Unexpected Points Podcast, Kevin Cole. You can find on Twitter at Kevin Cole PFF. Kevin, I believe this is your second time on the podcast. Thanks for the time, man, and happy week four. Yeah, yeah. Happy week four to you. Yeah, I believe it is. Um, I don't know. How many times do I need to get to become the most frequent guest? Like another 50 <laughs> or something like that? Something like that. I think uh, Andrew and Joanne are holding it down. But you got your own podcast, man. I'm not trying to, you know, yes, yeah, leave some time for your family. That's true. That's true. I have my own solo podcast, which I went for about an hour and a half all by myself. So I can't tell if that makes me some sort of special talent or just a complete psycho who likes to hear their own voice. It's it's somewhere in between, probably. No, I tried doing that last year and I yeah. just quickly realized how hard it is to like, you know, swallow and breathe while you're talking nonstop <laughs> for 30 minutes and uh, all the reviews on the podcast, let me know. So now I find right. it a little better to get smart people like yourself in and then I don't have to, you know, make disgusting noises in the microphone as often. There you so, go. Great stuff all around. And people, we have a very special edition of this podcast coming, like I said before. Now, Kevin's podcast might be titled Unexpected Points, but a little bit of a play on words there because our expected points tool is one of the many things that Kevin and our great data scientists provide be behind the scenes at PFF. So basically, we have a page and a tool on PFF that calculates a player's expected points based on their volume and then what they actually achieved. This is primarily used for identifying potential over and undervalued players. So, Kevin, we have three weeks now, 2021 uh, data. It's good. It's not perfect. I would still expect to see some flukiness, some randomness. And, you know, it's a 17-game sample at the NFL. It's small enough already. Three we need to take with a little bit of grain of salt. But basically, we're going to go over the top over and under performers, see who we might think could potentially revert one way or another the rest of the way. So let's kick things off with the quarterback room because we have four guys popping with over 20 fantasy points over expectation. Russell Wilson, Matthew. Stafford, Patrick Mahomes, and Kyler. Is there one of these guys that you could just see falling back to earth a little bit more than others here moving forward? Yeah, I mean, okay, well, just a little background on, on the tool. I mean, I would say if we were going to like rank order the positions by usefulness, I guess you could say, of the tool, quarterback might be near the bottom. I mean, I think it's important context, but 
like you control your own efficiency a lot more as a quarterback than you do for any other position. So like, you know, if you're, if you're going to sit around and you're going to go, you know what, that Patrick Mahomes guy, that guy's going to regress because he keeps on being higher than what we're expecting him to be in this expected po- points tool. You know, you're going to be uh, talking about that every single week for the next 10 years and probably never be fully correct on that. So w- with that context in mind, you want to look for like true, true outliers here. And I think for Russell Wilson, we saw a little bit of a regression last week. And I think if you look at a bunch of different numbers on here, even his success rate on dropbacks was much, much lower than the efficiency was because of those huge plays that he was making, particularly to Tyler Lockett, those first couple of weeks that came back a little bit last week. And I think moving forward, he's probably the guy that I would say that could pull back a little bit. I think Stafford falls into that category second most, and then Mahomes would be the guy I'd just be most confident in going forward because he's been doing it literally since the first snap that he took in the NFL until now. No, awesome clarifier. And that is the case with a lot of these guys. When we see AJ Brown just breaking every single, you know, measure we have for expected yards per target and things like that, you know, at some point you also just have to say, hey, maybe this guy is a great player. And I, I like the point too about quarterbacks being able to control their efficiency more than most other positions. With Russ, man, like we saw this kind of play out last year. Like he was a world yeah. beater in the first half. And then all of a sudden, all those, you know, moon balls, as our boss man likes to call them, stopped coming to fruition quite as much. It's just one of these things, man, where we saw last week, Tyler Lockett, I, we, we'll see what the injury reports say. He was able to stay in the game, but when he had the entire team huddled around him, it makes you think like, man, they're a Lockett or Metcalf injury from kind of being in a pretty scary place in this offense. We know Russ is amazing, but yeah, it's, you know, it's impressive he's been able to make such a living in his career on 25, 30 pass attempts, particularly in fantasy land. It would make sense if the Seahawks, at least moving forward, maybe a little more of an above average offense as opposed to the top five, top 10 group really trying to push them into. Yeah, I mean, I was a bit skeptical of, of the late season, kind of Russ has been figured out narrative because we're so far into his career. But there does seem to be something to the fact that I think t- teams are getting a little bit more they're starting to accept more. Hey, we got to stop these explosive pass plays. Cause I feel like there was always this tension on defenses. And now we're seeing people explicitly say that. I mean, you'd never see like the Brandon Staley's of the world that we saw last year that, that explicitly say, you know what, we're going to let them run the ball and we're going to stop explosive pass plays. You almost would never even get lip service for something like that. So I I do think there could be something to it at the same time. uh, D Eskridge, uh, he is, you know, I don't know. I I haven't checked his birth certificate, but I think he's like 37 years old, (laughs) even though he's a rookie. So maybe he can come in and be good as long as he can get back on the field. Now he's been missing time too. So I think he was probably a key addition for them to try to mitigate some of the risks they've had. Cause we've seen this from Lockett time and time again, where not only does he get injured, but then he comes back and he plays at this subpar level and playing through injuries. So maybe Estridge is a guy who could step up, but we'll have to see if he's active this week. And, you know, as long as these guys are healthy, it's fine. But they're just so reliant on them in their offense. Yep. In terms of each offense's top two pass game options, Lockett and Metcalf have the highest combined target share of 57% and 82% of the offense's air yards. I'm with you. Like, I think Eskridge was taken as high as he was to provide something different. Hopefully he gets out of the concussion protocol here before too long. Let's talk about some quarterbacks that perhaps underachieved. Now, the two guys I see, I'm going to leave Jacoby Brissett out of it. He's still got kind of a small sample. (laughs) but I appreciate that. Yeah, we we got bigger things to talk about there. So I see Josh Allen popping a little bit. His week Mm -hmm. three game, I thought we really saw a return to form. No one was really sounding the panic alarms on Josh yet, and I think that for good reason. We know the guy at his best is one of the best QBs in the game. Let's talk about the one on everyone's mind. 
Ben Roethlisberger, he's still chucking the ball all over the place. The ball is not going anywhere near. He wants to be chucking it half the time, though. Kevin, is he the most cooked quarterback in the league right now? Or yeah, you know, I was I was uh, talking about this on, on my podcast the other day where I was saying, okay, like Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, I was trying to figure out, like, let's get a cooked rating. <laughs> Who's the most cookedness? And I think Roethlisberger has to be that guy. I mean, there was that was such a cooked game from this last week when he played, when he targeting Najee Harris 19 times, they threw the ball 60 something times, but yet I think the average depth of target was something like, you know, four or five yards. Now Ryan was, is kind of similar. I don't think he hasn't thrown the ball much at all uh, past 20 yards so far this season. He was also a guy that was about a four and a half yard um, a dot, but just for the fact that we have a little bit of a smaller sample on him, playing like the cook player that he is so far this year. Whereas, you know, we can go back to last season. We can look, especially at the second half of last year where Roethlisberger was the same guy. So I think he would rank one, but uh, Matt Ryan is creeping up in the rankings quickly. I got caught off a little bit off guard by big Ben this year. Not that I thought he was going to turn back into this great quarterback, but it wasn't like his arm strength was just gone at the end of last year. The ball wasn't going where he wanted it to, but to me, it wasn't this, you know, 2014 Peyton Manning, 2019 Drew Brees, like, oh my God, he literally can't throw the ball anymore. But yeah, the average target depth, man, like that's the part. He's just terrified at this point, I think, to even be in a position where a hit's coming his way. I mean, yeah. back in the early 2000s, maybe, you know, mid, later 2000s, Ben would have like four guys hanging on him and he'd still find a way to get the ball downfield 7.5 yard average target depth right now I mean last year he was at 8.1 and that was by far a career low mark for him obviously Najee Harris fantasy managers are just laughing straight to the bank Deontay Johnson's hurt right now I think once he's back the way they use him and all those short hitting screens he'll probably be fine in full point PPR but man I'm just starting to think expecting Claypool or even a banked up version of Juju to really be what they were last year might be wishful thinking yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, if you would have told people going into this last game, Deontay Johnson out, Chase Claypool is going to get, what did he get, like 15 targets or something? 15. Like it, was, yes. it, was, it was absurd. And then, you know, you just be rubbing your hands here. You know, I'm going straight home to the bank. And then you look up and you're not even getting a 100-yard uh, bonus here on DraftKings. It was it was really a disappointing week. And what else can you say? I, I, I agree that I think he still does have some strength. But when you look at the way that, I mean, I'm not a quarterback guru. You probably need to have some film guy on here that, that'll tell you what's going on. But yeah, when, when the ball leaves his hand, it's just all over the place. And there were 10 drops for the Steelers last week. Obviously, there were huge drop problems last year. But we're going to have to, you know, think about these drops. It's not like it's 100% on the receiver every single time this happens. There are some accuracy issues. He's throwing a lot of these very quick passes over the middle, which have a tendency to be dropped. Uh, Najee Harris, maybe the, he doesn't have the best hands. He dropped five passes himself uh, just last week. So, yeah, there's just a lot of issues with that passing game. And again, going back to Roethlisberger not wanting to get a hit, uh, I mean, they're playing from behind. They need to stretch the field, and yet his uh, average time to throw was 2.2 seconds. He was just getting it out of there as quickly as humanly possible. It's a great point on the drops around the line of scrimmage because people almost tried to use the reverse argument against mm -hmm. Deontay going this year. It's like he's dropping all these balls, but when Metcalf and them drop Michael Gallup dropping downfield, like that's supposed to be better. When really, based on the numbers we've seen, it could be worse. So always important to keep that in mind with the drop rates. Let's talk some running backs and specifically the Cleveland Browns top two overperformers and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. This is one of those things, Kevin, where at the same time, like, yes, I agree based on their use 
usage, it has been surprising to see Chubb and Hunt work in the top 10. But it's also like we're looking at two of maybe the top 10 best real-life backs playing in a Browns offense that is pretty much steamrolling everyone. Like, what do you kind of, like, in terms of looking at Hunt and Chubb's rest of the season fantasy outlook, how do you interpret this? Like, could they be sell high guys, or is this just a great offense to have pieces to? I mean, I think it's a great offense to have pieces to – I think that they're getting some of their outperformance through rushing touchdowns over expectation. Uh, They're both have kind of almost doubled their number for what you would expect there. So I think that can continue. Uh, I think for Hunt, he got really involved last week in the passing game. And I think it's just one of these situations where I had Chubb on my somewhat fade list in the second round and uh, actually, I had the, the, PFF, the PFF account uh, put me through me under the bus here by not oh, no. being explicit enough about the fact that it was a fantasy football argument when I said Najee Harris over Nick Chubb. So trust okay. me, I was hearing about that for the first couple of weeks of the season. And then inefficiency king Najee Harris came back last week. But the, the problem with Chubb is, you know, unless they are really just powering through and he's running for untouched 15 yard touchdowns like he was in the first week of the season it's just going to be hard for him especially in a ppr half ppr format uh because he just isn't targeted certain games yeah literally zero targets last week and to me he's kind of like derrick henry and took well they're both just monsters but it's not that chubb can't catch passes like he's been effective in his career i think in that steelers wildcard game last year he took a screen like 40 yards to the house like getting nick chubb in open field is fine he's not mccaffrey he's not eckler they just don't really need to use him because of how good hunt also happens to be Selling high on Nick Chubb. It's scary, man, because we have someone as good as him in real life in a good offense. But yeah, man, I zero targets. Kevin, if we're in full PPR, I feel like selling high on Nick Chubb might make sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I think of these two guys, he would be the guy that that I would look to sell. I just, I don't think, I mean, I think you're going to get a lot more for him than you're going to get for Kareem Hunt also. So yeah, he would be the guy. Depends on who you're going to go for. Now, could you sell him for, for Najee Harris? You probably could, but God, it's scary. I didn't, I mean, I, I, again, that was a little, you know, sometimes when you, when you say you want to target a player at the beginning of the season, you don't realize that the quarterback is going to be completely cooked. Um, so maybe he isn't the guy that I would look for, but there are some other guys I think that I'd be excited about. Gotta love our social team. With that said, last year I had a had a quarterback rankings article going out on Tuesdays, and by week five I was like, guys, you need to include fantasy somewhere in this tweet. I'm getting <laughs> ripped apart with this stuff. All right, let's talk about some underachievers at running back. We got Mark Ingram, Najee Harris, also Jonathan Taylor, Mike Davis. I mean, seeing all the targets for Najee, you know, if you have more to talk about there, that's fine. I think we can all agree Mark Ingram was someone that you should have been fading after that 26 carry week one. That seems like it happens dec- happened decades ago at this point. Let's focus more on Jonathan Taylor and Mike Davis. Cool stat yeah. I found yesterday. They are tied for first in the league. They each have 50 touches and zero touchdowns. Most touches this year without finding their way into the end zone. Out of Taylor and Mike Davis, which one do you see having a better chance at bouncing back here as the season progresses? I mean, I think Taylor definitely has a better chance of bouncing back. But then again, if we're going to talk about, you know, value or where people are looking at them, um, Davis is probably might be a guy that I would be even a little bit more attractive to go after if I really need to take a shot on someone. I know it's become almost a split in that backfield, a disgusting split in a backfield for with another cooked quarterback. But at the same time, talk about value like he's going to be dirt cheap right now if someone's willing to move on from him maybe if they have a couple of other usable running backs and you can package something together so he's a guy that i would probably take more of a shot on but taylor is the talent right 
Um, I wish not. I wish uh, Naheem Hines didn't have that you know, big contract. Um, I wish we, we saw a lot more from Carson Wentz. I, I think we're seeing a theme here, right? We're seeing like really bad quarterback play can also affect running backs more than, can, than it can affect wide receivers, which is a little counterintuitive, but with volume alone, you can get there if you're a wide receiver in particular, if it's in a PPR league. And that was kind of the missing note, I think, about the whole Jonathan Taylor offseason storyline. It was always like, okay, we're losing Rivers, so we could be losing some of the target stuff, and we got to worry about the running backs. But no one really thought like, hey, what if this Colts scoring offense just really sucks? And I will admit, I because as someone that was Cam Akers over Jonathan Taylor all offseason, I was looking into ways to see Taylor play not working out. I remember seeing something, though. It was done by Jack Miller, who does some great stuff over at uh, Roto World, I believe. But Jack basically took all the over-unders from the sports book. And Vegas, at least in terms of July, they had the Colts as like the fourth highest implied offense throughout the entire season. It has been a rough spot. I'm not exactly trusting Carson Wentz. But, Kevin, if you do look at their upcoming schedule a little bit, man, we got the Dolphins this week. The Ravens, Texans, 49ers, Titans, Jets, Jaguars. It softens up a little bit. And with Marlon Mack out of the picture, right? not the best offense, but we're still looking at Taylor's flirting with that 20-carry target mark more weeks than not. I would have a hard time believing that he'll finish outside the top 15 running backs, even if those top five pipe dreams probably not come to fruition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bet on talent for someone like, like Taylor. It's a bet on the fact that you're going to get some big plays there. And like you mentioned, with Mack, uh, you know, semi out of the picture, maybe fully out of the picture pretty soon. Uh, Wilkins has kind of been MIA. I don't know if he's yeah. even still on the team. Um, when you when you think about all those different things, you're starting to get more paths to that elite elite workload that you might be able to get from Taylor, right? So you're you're starting to you're starting to weave your way in more different directions there. And one of those ways that you talked about is the fact that you're playing from ahead and you're just letting him pound it out. Uh, there and you're and he's able to be you know you're able to use him in the passing game when you're playing from ahead maybe a little bit more too and you're not you're not like doing this constant uh, catch up game where Naheem Hines would be a better uh, back in that circumstance so yeah I mean Taylor would be the guy that I would target there I have no idea though what the capitulation level is for those uh, people who have them on their roster currently it'll be interesting to see what what it would take right now to get someone like him on your roster. I do agree. Mike Davis just probably based on public consensus will be far cheaper and easier to rip away from one of your league mates. So I've strangely been missing the boat on Cordero Patterson, which is weird. I've had in my Twitter bio, (laughs) uh, your brand, your brand is sullied. Exactly. So it's one of these situations where last year, like Tariq Cohen got hurt and everyone's like, Oh, Ian, here's your chance. Let's go. And I said, no people like he's going to be used like more of a gadget. It's good for Montgomery, not CPAT. I was right that time. This time I was thinking the same thing in terms of, Hey, good for him. Making the most out of a few touches. Mike Davis should still be the lead guy. While Davis is still the lead back, more targets than Patterson, he's playing more snaps, getting more rush attempts every game. Patterson is making a lot happen, and you can see the passing game roll at least persisting to an extent with Russell Gage sidelined with the ankle injury. Like Kevin, I would, you know, have my ranks going up late last night, and I think I end up putting Patterson in the top 36 for the first time this year. Am I still just missing this? Like, is Patterson, has he already had like his best three games of the season, or do you think there could actually be a sustainable role here? I mean, I think there is a sustainable rule. I mean, we've seen it trending in one direction. So I'd be a little bit more skeptical if it was maybe bouncing up and down. It was funny because after week one, I think you could have looked at the results and you could have said, yeah, Patterson's involved, but 
you know, it was an overall positive for Davis. And then the minute you felt like you had some, some comfort in that, it's just been moving steadily and steadily the other direction. He's obviously been extremely more efficient. I mean, right now, if you look like at their receiving, they both have about the same amount of um, expected receiving yards. And then Patterson has, you know, not three times, but a good two and a half times more receiving yards than Davis has right now. He has way you know, he, he has a rushing touchdown, whereas Davis has nothing. As you mentioned, he hasn't been able to get in the end zone at all. So that efficiency, you'd assume, you know, if we're in this kind of running backs don't matter category or everyone is at least 90% of everyone else, then you'd assume it would help to get back towards Davis. But the problem is once you have efficiency, sometimes can lead to volume because coaches yeah. are like, well, I'm just going to continue to give the ball to the option who's been playing better. So it doesn't, you, it's not that it won't regress, but if it starts to bleed into volume, then you have a problem. And it is a good point not to just look at, you know, one week, but a trend of several weeks. That's why we're trying to sit here after week three, seeing which guys could be booming and sinking here moving forward. Let's flip over to the wide receivers. Top three guys in terms of over um, expectations so far. Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, and Jamar Chase. We talked about Lockett a bit already with Russell Wilson, so we can focus more on Cup and Chase. Dwayne and I were talking on this very podcast yesterday and called the artist known as Bobby Trees, the single best by low wide receiver in fantasy land. Do you agree, Kevin, or is this just a Cooper Cup show and nobody else is going to get involved in LA? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to like rank order a little bit better to figure out where I, where one I see of them. One of them. Uh, Robert Woods. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think he is one of them. Although I will say that I, I mean, I'm saying this and then also at the beginning of the season, I did specifically call out Robert Woods as I didn't understand like why his ADP was, was as high as it was at that point. I mean, I think he's a very serviceable receiver. He's never shown the upside that Cooper cup has shown, but at the same point in time, this is, I mean, this is absurd that we're talking about the numbers here. And of course, whenever we're getting into guys who are outperforming that much, we're talking about, you know, touchdown outperformance. So, you know, cup is he's leading the league in everything right now, including touchdowns. But what's, what's shocking about cup is he actually has, um, right now is, is expected touchdown second behind Mike Williams. And you could see, you know, Mike Williams as being the guy that you're throwing face to. He's getting those targets in the end zone. These numbers are adjusted for the exact location and contestedness of the catches of, of these targets. So Cup is still up there. So he is being used and utilized in that area, but he's someone who probably more than a Mike Williams, they might be able to take him away a bit more and that could open up some opportunities for Robert Woods. And that's really the only... I guess that is the biggest reason to expect to come back from Woods. Cause I agree with you. I don't think he's necessarily like he's one of those guys where he's in fantasy, sometimes finishing as a top 15, top 20 receiver. But I think a lot of people would have 20 other real life receivers to put ahead of him. So I'm not saying he's this, this out of control talent that is just waiting to completely boom. But yeah, if anything we've seen from this Rams offense, it's that Stafford appears to be pretty damn close to the real deal, at least more so than he's been uh, with the lions. And it's number three scoring offense. So I don't, think if teams are able to at least contain cup a little bit that this offense is just going to grind to a screeching halt you would think robert woods would be the one to benefit when that happens let's talk to mark chase obviously the drop issues are a thing of the past but man joe burrow is just not throwing the ball right now it's been a situation where they have been very content to feed joe mixon everything he can handle get by trying to leave burrow to out you know as few hits as possible didn't exactly go that way in weeks one and two i think he took not nine or ten sacks regardless he did, they did keep him off the ground last week but chase keeps scoring touchdowns 
while T Higgins is out, I think it's fine to pretty much continue jamming him to lineups, but like Kevin, how much longer can this guy go with these four or five target games and just racking up plays? I know he's a great talent and it's good. We're seeing that maybe the targets will come later in the year, but man, for this, for this moment in time, it's not looking great in terms of him just being, having the alpha number one target share that we would expect someone who's ranking as a wide receiver one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's probably the one I'm most dubious of as far as being able to continue at this pace. Um, as you mentioned the Bengals, I mean, I have kind of pass rate over expectation. So they are the third lowest in that category. They are passing at a, at a, you know, a little bit under 53% rate where you would have expected based upon, you know, down distance score differential, all that stuff, they would have been well above 60. So they're low on that. And the passing game as a whole has not been, that efficient right they haven't been that efficient because he's been taking sacks and he hasn't been the greatest he hasn't been the greatest there so they're not throwing that often he hasn't been fantastic but he has been fantastic burrow has been fantastic throwing the ball to jamar chase so will that continue or not i mean to a degree i think it will but the outperformance has been too much there and then you mentioned higgins yeah higgins being out uh, that does maybe buy you some time, but I can't imagine if we're going to have the same kind of macro situation here with the Bengals, not throwing it that much, being conservative on, on offense. And then you're going to have Tyler Boyd, you know, T Higgins, Jamar chase. Someone is going to fall out there for one player to be able to consistently stay that high above. I think it's a near impossibility, but it could continue as long as Higgins is out, but that could, that could change as soon as next week, probably. I think wide receiver, more than running back, we can consider efficiency like outliers just that can outperform the volume True. element of things. But yeah, he doesn't even have a game with eight targets yet, people. Like it's just <laughs> yeah. hard. Like I, I had someone today like just asking me if I had Chase ranked inside my top 12. I was like, I can't really squeeze him in the top 24 with these sort of projections going on, man. So, hey, great player. Bengals fans obviously pleased with the pick. Just saying for fantasy purposes, realize everyone it's been a little bit too great, you know, don't want to say it's too great of a start. Everyone's happy what Chase is doing. Might not be a complete sign of things to come. Let's talk about guys that are underachieving a little bit. We got Elijah Moore really popping. Unfortunately, he's in the concussion protocol right now. We're not sure if he's going to be ready to go here. Also got Mims and Crowder coming back. Messy situation with the Jets. The two other guys, though, Calvin Ridley and Darnell Mooney. Let's talk Ridley for a second, Kevin, because as much as I agree with you that Big Ben is, he won the wash battle between Matt Ryan <laughs> Yeah. Matt Ryan does not look good either. I mean, they should have lost that game last week. He had an interception drop in the end zone before uh, managed to tie it up. And it's just been rough. We're seeing Ridley be fine. He's putting up a decent floor game. He's still getting the targets. But it's not the guy that a lot of people were wondering, could he be the overall wide receiver one this year? Do you think this is just the new Calvin Ridley kind of in this 2021 offense? Or are we going to see the guy that was, you know, breaking out in multiple weeks last year get back to doing that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously I'm going to say somewhere in between, but I'm going to lean more towards the guy who's breaking out. So the thing is, another thing to think about with these expected points formulas is I would say a wide receiver earns his expected points more so than a running back does because he's earning the targets and he's not only earning the targets, he's earning the location of the target a little bit more too. Like if you're getting these long passes that you're being targeted on, you're kind of earning that a bit better than a guy who maybe is just, you know, messing around underneath or something like that. Whereas a running back, it's like, you're literally just turning around and handing the ball and then the expected points are determined upon where you are here. So if you look at just the expected points so far this year amongst wide receivers, 
Bears, Ridley is fourth right now in the in the NFL. So he's earning that. He's just been underperforming so much. So like he doesn't even have to be an outperformer, right? Going forward. If he can just get up to expectation, that's gonna be a huge boost for him. So he's he's the guy that I would be more positive on any as anyone on turning around. Of course, there's the Matt Ryan cooked risk that's built in there but if it wasn't there then we wouldn't be in this situation in the first place right there has, something has to be going for wrong for him to be in this situation in the first place but you're hoping the fact that he's earning those targets in those locations means that things can turn around the rest of the season and to be fair again it hasn't been the top five that we were hoping to get with ridley but it hasn't been all that bad if you look at his career games with at least eight targets his worst one ever came in week one this year Five catches for 51 yards. Not happy about it, but you're not, you know, screaming. That's the reason I lost this week ever. Overall, this year, only wide receivers with a higher percentage of their team's air yard share, Brandon Cooks and Justin Jefferson. That's it. Ridley should be just fine. Maybe not overall wide receiver one, but it's a great point, Kevin. He doesn't even need to be that guy. Just be a little bit more like the Calvin Ridley that we know he can be week in, week out. Darnell Mooney. Do we think he could be a thing in Chicago? Like, I'm, I just kind of want to throw out what happened in Chicago last week. It still hurts too much to really even talk about at this time. But more than anything, I just don't know how everyone in that offense can all play that badly again. Allen Robinson, you'd like to think we'll get back to going. But what about Darnell Mooney, one of everyone's kind of favorite, you know, your favorite analyst, favorite uh, sleeper, basically, uh, going into the year. Could he bounce back a little bit? Yeah, I mean, we really, that was such a mess last week that it's almost like you're only looking at a two game <laughs> to what's happened in the first couple of games of the season. Um, who would ever thought that the th- we'd ever be saying, hey, you know, maybe he, maybe he has Andy, Andy Dalton coming back <laughs> as if that would be a positive for uh, someone's outlook for, for the rest of the season. But I actually caught myself thinking that a little bit going into this exercise. And, uh, you know, I felt shame, of course, immediately coming <laughs> upon that. So the problem with Mooney is, okay, let's, let, let's forget about all these hedges that I make here but the problem with Mooney is sometimes you can look at like over and under expectation and sometimes it's useful just to look at where their ranking for their expectation was right so he's way under expectation but even if he would have hit expectation he would be at if everyone hit expectation so far this year he would be wide receiver 30 it's not doing a lot for you right it's not doing a lot for you either way so yeah he's someone you can get cheaper but he's going to need to figure out how to boost that expectation obviously last week hurt a ton as far as being able to do that so maybe that can that can help going forward but i would rather look for someone who's up higher in the expected points ranks who may not be as undervalued but at least is higher up so you know if i'm hitting that you if i'm regressing you have further to go up just with that regression if you get if you get 100% of the regression on the way back that makes a lot of sense. Ridley, he just needs to get to average and he'll be fine. Mooney needs yep. to get to average and then become someone that he hasn't even been this year. So yeah, he, need, but, he needs a new new head coach, a new quarterback, a new <laughs> system, a new uh, left tackle. Jason Peters, uh, sorry, he's getting he's getting dragged. Jason Peters got dragged bad yesterday. I almost felt bad for him. Uh, future red flag for second year receivers might be if the best highlights we can come up with are them like in- getting incompletions. All we could see from Mooney was the uh, him cooking Ramsey and him cooking Carlton Davis and then not getting the ball thrown anywhere in his general vicinity. So we'll uh, keep an eye on that ahead of 2022. We'll finish things off here with tight ends. 
overachiever Travis Kelsey he's been doing it his entire career I don't think uh, it's gonna stop unless you want to go out on the limb Kevin and say that this Chiefs passing game is gonna be uh you know anything resembling average but other three guys I do think are worth talking about we had Dalton Schultz Monday night all-star Rob Gronkowski he's scoring two touchdowns every single game where he's not getting viciously hit in the ribs and even Dawson Knox slowly but surely carving out a starting role and scoring in back-to-back weeks you know, out of these guys, Schultz, Gronk, and Knox, I think we'd all rank Gronk number one. So let's focus on Schultz and Knox, actually. Which one of these guys do you think could maybe provide people with some consistent production, or is it all just a Fugazi? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really confident in either one of them. I might lean a little bit towards Dawson Knox only because you don't have this dual tight end sort of threat situation. And if you're looking at the Cowboys games going forward, what we saw from them against Philadelphia, where they were targeting the tight ends a lot, they were ignoring the wide receivers. Like how many more times is that going to happen during, <laughs> during the course of the year? Right. I mean, we've gotten it already and it's built. It's a big part of the sample that we're looking at for the expected points here. So I just think that's going to be a little bit less sustainable. Whereas there are other routes where maybe Knox could become more of a thing. If he's, if he's utilized a bit more, I'm not really that high on, either one of them but um you mentioned Gronkowski earlier I mean he would definitely be a guy that I would look to sell the problem is I don't know if anyone is truly buying him yet at this point I mean maybe you can find some people who uh you know enjoy his acting skills also in these god-awful commercials and maybe some former Patriot fans who would be interested in him uh other than that it might be a tough sell though at, at this point anyway yeah, Gronk's like the sell high on him, even though nobody wants to actually buy him. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the problem, right? Yeah. Just like after week one, it's like, oh, you know, buy low on Ezekiel Elliott. Who are these sellers that are selling him <laughs> low to begin with people? Great thing to keep in mind. A couple underachievers at the position. Eric Ebon's popping a little bit. He's splitting stuff with Pat Fryermus, so I don't think anyone's really been on that anyway. Let's talk a little Johnu Smith, though, because as skeptical, I think, as people were of this Patriots offense enabling two high-end tight ends, it's really been rough, man. And Johnu, like, is just really not playing well. He had a drop last week that led to a pick and then just straight up dropped another ball. We got, it was like the third play of the season that gave him a little jet sweep, and I was thinking, oh, okay, let's let's get Johnu a couple carries per game. Don't think he has had one since. Either Johnny Henry, do you see one of them becoming a uh, consistent fantasy factor, or is this just another situation where if you have two often used real life tight ends, you pretty much have zero fantasy relevant ones? Yeah, I mean, it's possible for Johnny Smith, I think. Uh, he would be the guy that I would lean towards out of both of those. I mean, if you look at how he's being used this year, I think his uh, average depth of target is somewhere in the mid fours, which isn't that different than how he's normally used. I mean, you are going to use him as this guy who's going to be a run after the catch. He's going to be a faster guy. You mentioned the drops. That's been bad. But another thing is he's really gotten little to no red zone usage on that team. And they love to run the ball on that team. And, you know, Mac Jones has not been someone who has really stretched it down and been, you know, lacing the ball up the seam. If we're talking about those sorts of plays for Johnny Smith there, uh, all, all those negative things I just said, uh, that being said, you know, they, they gave you guy a $50 million contract with 30 yeah. million guaranteed. And they, you mentioned these drops, you'd hope those drops don't continue going forward. Uh, so at least least i'd rather have a player who's getting targeted and dropping the ball than not getting targeted at all so i put john smith in that category and hope that he can become uh more of a thing going forward because i do think he's a very useful weapon in that offense if they were just throwing the ball a little bit more and using him a bit more 
Definitely on the same page with drops don't matter in fantasy football understands something you should be concerned with in real life. But yeah, it's just people getting open more times than not. And to see him have at least five, five and six targets here to start could have certainly been worse from a pure usage perspective, but people, Big takeaway here is week three of football is in the books. And now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action pack week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet. Any football game, promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey and Indiana or Pennsylvania only new customers only minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required one per customer restrictions apply see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT also want to thank our sponsors over at Western and Southern Financial Group while you focus on your roster moves Western and Southern helps advance your money moves buying your first home plan to start a family Wondering how to make your money grow. Just all questions that I need to start asking myself. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Kevin. Yeah, the, the, the subtext there is that you're not a fantasy football analyst. So you have a potential family. You, you've moved on out of so out of your mother's basement, all those those sorts of things. Those are those are solid ad reads, though. Whenever I do the half of the ad reads, I always like say out loud, call to action. Have you ever done that before? You're, rated, you're like, call yes. to action. You're like, oh, wait a second. I'm not supposed to say that. Supposed, that's just my that's like an instruction to me. The, the worst, I've had a couple of the ad reads where it's like, uh, you know, talk about a deal being over on like some, on a certain date. And then like I'm reading yeah. it and I look at the date <laughs> and I realize I've just been reading something that no longer applies. So happy we got through those. But Kevin, fantastic stuff, man. Again, everyone can find you on Twitter at Kevin Cole PFF. You have your weekly podcast, Unexpected Points and a bunch of goodness. I saw you had an NFL Week four, quarterback rankings column go up. Everything at pff.com. Anything else you want to get off your chest before we let you get out of here? No, no, I'm just excited. Uh, you know, I'm not like a betting guy, but if I, you know, I, I like the Jaguars. I, I, I don't know why. Ooh. I like the Jaguars against the city of Cincinnati Bengals. I'm like, I'm like getting more and more sold into this. So if you want, you know, some betting advice from someone who has no idea what they're doing <laughs> and will not accept any responsibility for when it loses seven and a half points. Let, let, let's take Trevor Lawrence. I'm, I'm all for Trevor Lawrence going forward. I need something out of him. He's on my Scott Fishbowl team and he's been absolutely horrid so far. So I, I need, I need something. I will be in attendance at that game. Any All chance, right, there you go. Any chance that you can go 15 minutes down the road and watch Autumn Tate play professional football, man? I am absolutely <laughs> in. You heard it, everyone. Kevin's putting his reputation on the line. Jaguars plus there seven. Go. go get that. Couldn't it be more of a sure thing? For Kevin, I'm Ian. Thank you again for listening to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>